Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And what a week it's been. Oof, it's been a it's been an intense week. You got Putin and doing yeah. some crazy, crazy. We shit. try to keep this podcast evergreen. Uh, we 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 locker room. We talk about you know topical issues and stuff like that. We try to just deal with the war stories. But at this point, I mean, how do you just avoid the elephant in the room of the invasion? So uh, we'll we'll, we'll we repeat it at the end of this. But for those of you who are hearing this on Monday and didn't catch it, uh, Chuck, Matt, and I. We did a we did a live show uh, on Saturday, and it has been uh, we recorded the live show and we reposted it. So if you missed it live, you can go back to YouTube or Facebook or Instagram um, and catch it as the the recording of it. Uh, it's just a short. Um, we we've, we've been getting a lot of questions about our thoughts on the Ukraine and what's yeah. going on. Um, a lot, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we we don't want to tackle that here. Um, this is this is war stories for. For our brothers and sisters and uh, <clears throat> veterans and cops and firefighters and stuff like that, we'll we'll deal with that over there. So um, for today, Chuck, we have a guest that I'm really looking forward to. Tell us all about uh, Chris. How how are you, Chris? I'm doing wonderful. Hey, thanks for the invite, guys. I really oh, super appreciate it. You're welcome. We're we're super glad you could come on. Um, in yeah, fact, pretty- Chris, why don't why don't we have Chris tell us about himself since Chris is here? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Got hired out with uh, Phoenix PD in 97, retired 2018 after 20 years and 64 days on the nose. So that was nice. pretty much pretty much all I could handle. So Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, it was not an easy – the first. I should say the first 18 years was actually pretty easy, and after that, everything just, right. just fell apart, So, which obviously right, right. is why we're here. So, <laughs> Right. Um, it's, it seems there, there's always a pivot moment where the wheels just fall off. Oh, God damn. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So – um called it quits and i moved to california i think my girlfriend and i are the only people in the world to move to california but yeah so we're uh <laughs> i know right i know <laughs> but it's always well, been a dream I mean, of ours considering you were from arizona you you did trade up a little because a little bit yes california has water that's oh, the entire reason so, why we're here ooh, that's the entire ooh, reason hold on hold on arizona has water you got parker you got havasu come on yeah, Dude, but the hundred and forty five degrees am, out, man. I, I am know. over twenty six <laughs> years old. I don't give a shit about habits anymore. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm just talking about like riverfront property for a no, no, place. no. I get it. I had a friend. Yeah, I had a friend of mine. Room. He's a he's a cop. Uh, in fact, he still is. I won't say where because if you look at him up, he's been quite a few <laughs> little news stories locally where he's at. But uh, he had a city. He had a house in Bullhead City. We used to go out to to Bullhead City all the time and. And freaking, you know, hit the river and, and all that shit. So it's it's a good time when you're a young copper and and you know you first buy that you you get that overtime check and and you buy that boat and you buy that freaking vacation house and and all of a sudden you 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 spend all that time out there justifying the OT by oh I got to pay for the gas for the boat now. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, oh. so you were uh, so you're out in Arizona. What what uh, what age? Twenty four years. At 24 Phoenix. years and a bunch with Phoenix. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Oh, 20 years. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, 
you know, then you decided to hang it up and move to California. And how did you end up getting into law enforcement in the first place? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I had, uh, I never really had an inkling to do it until I was doing a, I was back in construction back in the day, 90, 92 to 96, give or take. And, uh, I ended up doing this job for this guy and he thought I was super cool. He's like, Hey, ever thought about being a cop? And I'm like, okay. So, uh, that was, I mean, seriously, that's what it was. Um, so I did, and I, uh, I finished the job and started looking into it and it took about a year, almost a year to the day when I started testing before I finally graduated the Academy. And then I ran into that same guy about a year later. I'm like, Hey, remember me? He's like, no, you look like that same tweaker as before. So, you know, right. Um, turned out it was actually really good because his brother turned out to be a Lieutenant for the, for my agency. And so he had a plaque on the wall and said, Hey, I think I know one of these guys. And that was a great icebreaker for my background investigator. So nice. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Background investigators can be a a funny sort, man. I had one background investigator because I told him, I told him during the background process that, you know, I had, my father was in law enforcement and he'd been mentoring me through the process and, and that, you know, a, a friend of his was a Lieutenant with the Sheriff's department I was applying to, and he'd been helping me through the process and mentoring me. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I it really helped build my confidence about going through this process and, and, and about going through the academy and about my abilities to do the job. It came back to me later once I got on the job that the word he put into the department was that my my dad's uh, my dad had prepared me and uh, I was a shoe in and I was I was, t- you know, I was going to get the job regardless of what he thought, because, you know, I'd been so I'm like, <laughs> wow, what the okay. fuck? <laughs> Okay. It's like fucking uh fucking cock blocked you. Excuse my language. Yeah, but, but I couldn't well, think of another world. But you know what's funny yeah. is he ended up getting fired for some uh shenanigans where it was Uh-oh. like, oh, so I wasn't the asshole. You were got it. Exactly. Okay, cool. Dude, and there's so many of those guys that are just straight like dicks, but then there's so many good ones like like Ken, we've had on. He's like a Ken, great, yeah. great person. And yeah. you, we can't say anything more highly of Ken. No, but you have I mean, background investigators, and I've had like from like six different agencies. And uh, most of them were like, they were just not personable people. And they were like, I don't know if that's their whole thing is I'm just going to be a jerk and, you know, not want to talk to you, but you're all lying. I'm like, no, not all of us, dude. And before we get too far into the weeds on the background thing, but I just wanted to say that to anybody out there that doesn't understand the background hire, the background process to get onto a police department is one of the most invasive uncomfortable oh my god yes awful <laughs> shitty like if if you think for one set i mean other than good old boy networks where you know they don't really need to do a background because you know you're getting a job like most municipal agencies most real agencies where they're doing a legitimate background check it's uncomfortable as shit and oh, yeah. you really do feel like violated in some ways because of the stuff you have to say and stuff you have to talk about it's it's like therapy at gunpoint right like, like, like they're making you right exactly <laughs> and uh i remember I, I i just tell this story real quick but my uh i had um i had shown stress i'd shown deception shown a reaction however you want to put it to two questions on uh the background during the the, the poly and the background investigator said well you showed a reaction to this is there something some reason why you would react to that and it was the, the first question was uh, domestic abuse. 
And the next question was uh, sexual activity with a minor, right? And so to be completely transparent to him, I said, yeah, you know, my sister had been in an abusive relationship uh, only a couple of years before where the guy had, you know, like broken a door and thrown a table and all this stuff. And my wife had been assaulted when she was underage. And so both of those questions were like trigger questions for me. So I explained it to him. And uh, he goes, okay, okay, we'll check that out. And then he goes and interviews my wife and just goes, okay, so do this and your name and your, this is your husband. And da-da. were you sexually assaulted as a juvenile? Oh, God. Just like that. And she just burst into tears and was like, what the fuck? Wow. And that was, yeah, it's so if you think that that process is fun, uh, stand by to stand by. Oh, yeah. Well, then not, not admissible polygraph, of course, you know, because that's, you know, going to prove something. Yeah, well, I failed the first polygraph, and I think it's because at the beginning of the polygraph, I asked the examiner, I'm like, so how come these aren't admissible in court? (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Yeah, I was 20. 22, 23. I, I didn't That's a know. Smart my... ass question. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be. I was genuinely curious. Like, hey, hey how come? These things are bullshit. They Why are. don't they hold up in court? <laughs> right. That's how it read. <laughs> yep. And so subsequently, I, I was vindicated years later when I went to the range and was doing entry gun training uh, with a, a really good tactical instructor who also happened to be a polygraph examiner and he goes yeah i gotta get out of here on time today because i gotta go put somebody on the ouija board later and i'm all the what and he goes yeah i gotta put him on the ouija board and i'm like what are you talking about he goes that's what i call the poly i'm now that i'm poly certified i know what a fucking ouija board that thing is and i just started laughing because it was the first time i'd ever had a polygraph examiner be honest with me because they all tell you this is a fucking lie detector i could tell a lie you fucking tell a lie from miles away i know what you're no can't fuck you yeah no, it can't. Give me a break. You can, can lie your ass It can off. sense sweat on your skin. It can sense your heartbeat, and it can sense your respiration. Oh, and, and now with clenching. the butt seat, it can sense whether you clench your asshole. Like, oh, your butt was clenching. Yeah, it fucking. But do you know why they do that? <laughs> they do that to keep you from defeating the test. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not it, the, the butt clenching isn't an indication of deception. It's an indication of countermeasures. And I won't go into it here because I don't want to give people countermeasures on the polygraph. But butt clenching has to do with someone trying to manipulate results. So there is a movie, and I'm sure both of you and, and both you and Chris have seen it. It's with Christian Bale, and he's getting he's a fucking former like spec ops dude. And there's this, it's, he's based in like LA and he's trying to go to an LAPD and he goes in for the poly and he was doing fucking drugs and so he injects shit up into his urethra for the piss test and then he he uh gets ready for the poly and he's doing all sorts of crazy shit taking crazy shit and then he puts a tack in his shoe put your tack yeah. in his shoe and yeah. then yeah. I, I watched that yeah. and not even knowing what the movie was i forget the name of it but it was funny and i was like oh this is a really good movie and then i watched it and then what five months later polygraph and i was like oh fuck because the main <laughs> question is do you have you researched or do you know any any measures to defeat a poly and i was like look i'm gonna be quite honest with you i was watching a movie with christian bale because I really <laughs> like Dark Knight. and this yeah. is what happened i tried to give him the whole storyline i was like look i don't have a tack in my shoe I right i didn't anything. research it it just was and part like, of a movie i didn't know yeah. it was but it was pretty it was pretty like out there and like i can't sit here and lie because i'm gonna hit on it and they're like yeah. uh-huh I was yeah. like, look, I'm just being honest. And he's like, yeah. you're a liar. And I was like, all right, cool, dude. Like, this is going to go yeah. great. See ya. But sorry. So, well, so Christopher, 20 years Chris. with, with your agency. Yeah. And I, I, I can imagine you've seen some shit. Uh, 
<sighs> yeah, it's, it's probably been it's probably been a story career. What how what did how did you so you fell into it, right? You didn't really choose it, which is different for it. it I mean, I've heard I'm not saying I haven't heard that. I've heard that actually quite a few times where somebody's like, oh, somebody suggested. And I was like, why not? And then I found I loved it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, for most people, I think if you were to really dig deep, the a larger percentage of people, I wanted to do it all uh, since I was a little kid. I felt called to it. I felt this, that, the other thing. And uh, so how did you find it when you just kind of fell into it? When you When you got into the job, what was the most surprising and the least surprising thing for you, having had no expectations and just kind of falling into it? Uh, the most surprising, oddly enough, that we've been talking about this was the background because, and I, I joke about it now that, man, it was like, how much shit am I willing to put up with to get through this? You know, it's like right. constantly, you know, hey, show up at two o'clock. Okay, I get there at two. Oh, we got canceled. Can you come back in two weeks? Okay, come back in two weeks. Oh, the guy had another thing. Can you come back in four hours? Okay, Ugh. so that was, and that's, and I now know that was by design, of course, you know. Of course, yeah. I didn't know that then, but I knew that I was there was nothing that was ever going to stop me from going through this whole thing. So, yeah, they they're uh, playing with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and had that mindset, and I my friends that you know, I'm sure you guys are the exact same that you they went in for the first time and they failed to fail the written and they don't go back, or they fail the push ups like I did four or five times and then don't go back or whatever. It was actually sit ups, not push ups, but neither here nor there. Um, Perseverance, man. Yeah, I just you know I had that no quit attitude, which actually was really good in the in the long run because I pushed me through the rest of my career, which is you know as it turned out I really needed it. So uh, yeah, and that gets you to find out who really wants it and who's got the heart and who's yeah. just trying to do it for a fucking paycheck. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely takes a lot of heart, man, a lot yeah. of heart. So and dedication, sure. clearly. So we've got a lot of listeners that have have written us uh, that are young men. Uh, and women looking towards the future and they've said you know i just want to let you guys know that hearing this show has pushed me into police work has pushed me into oh, the fire shit. service has pushed Dude, me that's into a military. huge that's a huge compliment man that's awesome and oh yeah it's great. i just i just think to myself what the fuck are we doing wrong yeah like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're telling you how terrible it is we're telling yeah. you like all the shit we go through we're telling you but in all honesty like when you really hear about it when you really when we get into these stories, you can't deny it. The job is fucking cool. Oh yeah. Like I miss, I, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I said, I miss the job. I don't miss being a cop necessarily because being a cop entails administration. It entails paperwork. It entails being motherfucked by the public. It entails all these other things. I miss the job. I miss chasing bad guys and hooking them up and making sure oh, they yeah. don't hurt somebody else again. I miss looking a woman in the face and saying, yeah, I know he beat your ass and he's going to jail and you're getting a restraining order and he's not coming back. You know, I miss those moments. I I miss California. Those days are gone. Well, that's the thing. The job has changed in a lot of places and and, and it just it will swing the other way eventually. I, I, tell I, just, I just don't know what it's going to take. I, I don't you know, know what the tipping point is. I was in physical therapy this week. I am every week, but the <laughs> physical therapist. Um, <clears throat> and I had a conversation while he was uh, massaging my leg. And uh, <clears throat> I was telling him stuff about, about work and how, like, 
how jacked up I am and how the doctor's like, nah, your, your knee's done. You're, you're done. Like whatever. And I was like, all right. And then, so we got into talking about what I do for work and he already knew. And then he started asking more and I started telling him and he goes, you know what it kind of sounds like? I go, what? And he goes, it kind of sounds like you guys are guilty before proven innocent and everybody else is innocent until proven guilty. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's basically how it is for sure. sure. Like all the criminals we arrest are innocent until proven guilty. Like just like we are fucking asshole, racist, fuck guilty. Yeah, exactly. And, and they will yeah. not think twice, like certain places. And there's some really good agencies out there. And I'm not dogging on the, the men and women who bust their ass every day. that are the fucking working class of law enforcement patrol. You guys are fucking awesome. Keep doing the hard work. Keep doing the Lord's work. But there are agencies out there that really would rather try to get ahead of something than back their officers and do a full and complete investigation. And they'd rather just put them out high and dry. And then next thing you know, they get vindicated and everything gets adjudicated. And they're like, Oh, I guess you didn't do anything wrong. Ah, we'll give you the money later. Yeah, Cause you like, print the retraction on the last page yeah. of the paper, not the first it's bullshit. And, well, you know, answer, that sucks. answer this for me. So without naming any agencies, but um, how is it that they go back and reopen investigations that have already been closed, particularly like officer involved shootings and stuff like that? Well, you have a I DA mean, called Gascon. <laughs> well, well, that's well, <laughs> that was actually in a place that might rhyme with Phoenix. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they've been doing that a lot lately, where they just they open up these investigations that have been two years, you know, done and passed all stuff, and they're good to go, and then they reopen them for whatever reason. And how and, do yeah. that? I mean. Holy shit. It's insane. And that so. and you are those officers already went through all that turmoil and struggle of having to deal with pulling a fucking trigger on a human life. They've had to deal with getting shot at and that and that tr- <clears throat> that fucking incident that it caused them so much traumatic stress after the fact. Because during you're like you have so much adrenaline, you're like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Like oh, I yeah. know that dude tried to kill me and I fucking had to do what I had to do and shit happened. And then next thing you know. The next week, the next month, the next year, the next right. lifetime, you officers, the officers are dealing with that stress. And then next thing you know, they're like, all right, cool. Fucking adjudicated. I'm good to go. Mm. I know I didn't do anything wrong. And now it's just been fucking proven that I didn't do anything wrong. And then you have someone who reopens that and they have no idea what that is doing to the officers that had to be put in that position where they had to make that ultimate call. And I think that's a good segue into. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And God bless the peace officers bill of rights. It's probably the one of the only things California ever did right by law enforcement. Uh, So there are so many agencies (laughs) and so many states that don't have that. And that wasn't, that was a shocker to me is that there are so many in my wallet. Yeah. So for those of you that that don't know what we're talking about, look up what the California POBAR or peace officers bill of rights was that, that California passed. It was one of the only times California ever did right by its coppers. In, in in modern history and it really does codify the rights you have against retaliation for unpopular like they it recognizes that you're going to have to do unpopular shit and protects you from retaliation for it wow so nice. It, nice. it's 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 really good but that being said all the shit we have to go through as cops that we've just discussed really does segue into chris's story so chris the floor is yours man go ahead tell us your cool. story Rock and roll. Uh, if I can, go ahead and make my dedication now, or do you want to wait? No, we'll do it at the end. At the end. Okay, very yeah. good. Very good. Okay. Um, I will – I'll start with my first critical incident, uh, first major critical incident. Um, back in 2000, 
Uh, long story short, I'll, I'll save the the big story for toward the middle. Um, Got it. Long story short, this guy's uh, had three felony warrants, crashed his stolen car, um, was in the middle of stealing another car with a big, huge throwing knife. Um, ultimately, ended up kicked the window of this other car that he was sitting in. He pulled a gun. Um, I fired two shots oh, and, and put him down. So, which, as it turned out, wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, in all reality, I had two years on, brand spanking new, you know, and I was like, okay. That's you know, a big I, deal for two years on. But it, yeah, it was then. I mean, as I look back on it, and it was very there was there was nothing easy about it, I'm gonna lie. However, what made it really easy for me was recognizing that, dude, it's either me or you. You're gonna pull a gun, you and I'm I said it this way during the investigation, you fuck with the wrong guy and you lost. You know? Um right. and I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh the problem that I had actually was after the fact when the media said that, you know, Officer Hoyer executed a Mexican national. I'm like, well, here's the that problem. Was in 2000? Yeah. But the guy oh, was shit. the guy was Aryan Brotherhood. I'm like, pretty <laughs> sure those guys don't mix. Mm. Just saying. So, yeah. Totally but, different di- different spectrums. Yeah. <laughs> but, but northern Mex- northern northern Mexico is in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they said I executed this guy, I'm like, well, right. uh, he pulled a gun, I defended my life and I took him out. But that's pretty, pretty much what it was. So, Right. And so that was 2000. So fast forward, um, 2013, uh, this was pretty much right in the heart of where I started working. And then, so we get out to the West Valley, um, and we're coming back from out of, sort of out of town, if you will, heading back toward downtown. Hot call comes out of a stolen truck. Long, long, long story short, we end up chasing this guy for about 35 minutes or so. Not us. We pretty much, a couple guys lit him up. Guy took off. Um, he ended up ramming um, three semi trucks, almost trying to. I mean, tried to take them out. Clearly, ran twenty other cars, including like four or five patrol cars and a motorcycle. Uh, it was pretty bad. Uh, a lot of charges. And for the record, for the listeners, this guy's good to get shot right now. As of what you're, as as of what? Oh yeah, Chris is describing yeah. escape of a violent fleeing felon. He is absolutely. Oh yeah. He he. That car is a deadly weapon. Make well, no mistake. The the first one he tried to take out, which freaked me out, and I told my partner, "says Scotty, we're going to shoot this guy." Sure as shit. Um, Seventy miles an hour at a forty five degree angle hits the back of a tanker truck in order to oh. kind of roll it and flip it over, which was clearly what he wanted to do. Fortunately, yeah. the driver was up and hit the gas. I mean, he he pretty much jackknifed the truck, but luckily the guy was heads up. Like I said, hit the gas right in the trailer, and he was back in business. Um, and I was. I mean, my eyes are like this big on, holy shit, I'm driving. Yeah. And, like saucer uh, plates. Oh, my God, oh my right? God. You should see the driver of the truck. Like, factor. Yeah. So, of course, then you the got a cartoon like, with the, Ooga, the eyes come yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it's like 20 patrol cars flying by this guy now. So, clearly, we were going after this dude. Right. Um, but when I started getting freaked out later on during this this whole mess was, we're coming long country. I can see, it's like, open fields. And all I can see is a school bus coming southbound. As we're heading east, and I'm like, oh, well, you cut out a little bit. You're on a long country road, and all you could see coming down the country road was a school bus. School bus, yeah, oh. yeah. And we're heading east. School bus is heading oh, south, shit. and luckily the driver was heads up again, and she pulled over. Um, we blew through that intersection at like 85 miles an hour. I wasn't, I wasn't going that fast because um, I recognized this was uh, 13, so I had whatever amount of time on then. So I decided to slow down. I'm like, all right, you know what? There was like eight guys in front of me. I said, I'm just going to hang back, and when all the carnage happens, when he starts rolling his truck and taking out all these patrol cars, 
we'll be there to kind of clean up the mess, if you will. Um, it's experience. Goes, yeah. A little bit, yeah. And, and some fear, yeah. no, no bullshit. There's some fear. Fifteen there. years of experience, right? And mm-hmm. I was, I was freaking out. I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a bad day. Um, mm-hmm. So he keeps on going, and then he decides he's just gonna flip a bitch and come back around. He goes head on with a with a patrol car, another because uh, he's driving a flatbed Ford F five fifty, which is a big ass truck, of course. He goes head on with a Tahoe, and that officer actually put a round right through his windshield with his rifle, and right straight through and missed a guy somehow. Oh shit! Sure. Yeah, um, and he ended up launching that patrol car back into a ditch. They had to extract the officer out of there. It was a mess just on that. So we Wait, got one. So. The officer who was driving, or did he have a partner who pulled his rifle, or was the officer who was driving armed himself with his rifle and then racked one through the the fucking yeah. window? He was solo by himself. Oh that shit, day. A boy! Yeah. Dude, and when I talked to him on the scene, shit. dude, dude, he was fucking pissed. He's like, he had a really nasty headache, of course, as you can imagine. Right. Um, I mean, I don't care how how much training you go through, you crank off a rifle inside a patrol car, that's going to be fucking loud. <laughs> oh sure yeah, it was. So. Yes. Anyway, like I said, they had to extract the guy out. And then there was two other detectives. Um, as they see this, they open fire on the guy. Um, he keeps on going. So now I had stopped about eh, maybe a quarter mile back. And I saw when I saw him making his U-turn, I just stopped. And so we get out of the car. And it's I'm telling you, it's like wide open. No place to go. I mean, not even a freaking tree to stand behind. It's the end and, of seven. Yeah. It's desert. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's it the end insane. of seven. So, power lines and dirt. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be just open open field as far yep. as I can see. So here comes the guy flying back down the road. And as it turned out, my buddy, he gets out, and he's standing by a, uh, a street sign. And I was standing <laughs> by another street sign further back, of course, by the, by the uh, driver's side door. And we had the same exact plan. We talked about it later. He goes, when he hits that pole, he's mine. So when he hit that pole, we estimated about 28 yards away, uh, between 45 and 50 miles an hour, my Scotty put uh, seven rifle rounds to his door. When he got to me, probably a second and a half later, I put nine rounds to his door. So you guys went perpendicular and started tracking him right, and exactly. dumping rounds right. into him. God Which damn. Was, That's, you know, it's funny is as you're telling this story and I'm thinking about the terrain, I'm thinking, okay, I got to parallel this guy and then come perpendicular so that when he comes past him, I can put rounds on him from yeah. a perpendicular. Right. Like it just naturally occurred to me. That, and then you tell me that I'm like, oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Good. Which, which, Fortunately, it worked out good. Had the guy turned toward us, we would have been, been fucking done. I mean, there was yeah. no place for us to go. You know? Right. So you guys well, at that point, off. there's no place for anybody yeah. to go. You guys, yeah, at that you, point, guys, you guys staggered off in a good calm formation and right, then exactly. were able to open fire onto him. Yeah, and we just happened to get uh, get lucky. And it was funny because Scotty, he never liked uh, like the half-and-half half drills where you do um, 10 rounds in 10 seconds and then 10 rounds in 5 seconds and then uh, 10 rounds in 2 and a half seconds. Um, he always thought that was useless. He goes, this is a <laughs> this is a 75-yard Walmart parking lot weapon system. And I'm like, dude, no, this is a gunfighting machine. And sure, shit, yeah. after that, he, he figured it out. He's like, yeah, fucking A, man. I'm glad we had enough firepower to start putting this guy down. So Yeah. There's, um, there comes a point where where there's a difference between precision and volume. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and you ha- really, you do have to know when the time to be precise is and when the time to provide volume Yes. Oh, yeah. And this is a volume, part precision, but there's this is a volume because it's a moving vehicle and yeah. it's very hard to be precise. And very hard people to be out precise. there that would be like, okay, well, an, an M16 is a precision weapon system. Okay, it's a precision weapon system, but you've got a vehicle bearing down on you. 
It's already taken rounds. It's rammed people off the road. It's tried to kill people. You're shooting through glass. Weapon. You're shooting through steel. Exactly. You're going to have to provide oh. ample amount of fucking rounds. You're going to have to do, uh, you know, um, not failure drills, but hammer hammer pairs where it's uh, same site, picture, two rounds, same site, picture, right. two rounds, same site, picture, two rounds. Right. And that's what you have to do. You have to put the bullets where you think he's going to be and hope that one of them hits him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it was it was fortunate that what we did was, and this sounds kind of crazy, and I don't know, I'm not even going to try to talk about the ballistic side of things, but um, I've seen it happen before on a couple of different scenes, and the last scene I'll talk about happened again. I don't know if it happened on this one, but um, when those rounds hit that door, I actually turned them into ball rounds because that tiny oh, little hollow point filled up yeah. with that metal, and it just started tearing shit up, which was awesome. Um, the guy coasted about another 250 yards up the road, and we were able to drag the guy out of the truck, and he was he was six six two hundred sixty pounds, kind of a bigger, heavier guy, of course. And uh, we finally got the guy on the ground. He ended up dying later on at the hospital, my understanding. But uh, I mean, you put fucking that many rounds into a dude, you hope hope for the best, I guess. <laughs> what else I don't know six do? six two sixty. That's like Jack Reacher numbers. And I'm gonna tell you right now, we've had a story on this show. People who have listened to the show for long enough or want to go back and hear it. We had a copper, Elliot, you guys know him as Elliot or Salty back in the day, John's father. He put rounds in a guy's chest and the guy served like into his like center mass, but his packs were so dense that none of the bullets penetrated the rib cage. They all were embedded oh in his pecs. Wow. Dude, I I had one where the guy was similar in stature. Five rounds from an M16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was I touch and go. We really good trauma center saved him, but yeah, um, unfortunately, he uh, he took he took five fucking rounds on M sixteen, hip, stomach, chest, back, groin, and anybody else would have would have been, you know, DOA. Like, yeah, this bullets dude, do weird shit. It. Let's just thank yeah. you. Oh yeah, and, ooh, yeah. Dude, this is crazy. I saw a dude no bullshit. A two two three right in the neck and survived. And that was after he they fired uh I think they fired eighteen rounds. They had ten hits, seven exit wounds, including one right I mean, swear to God, right inside the neck and the guy freaking survived. So we I went to a class called I'm Shot and it was uh the first four it was an eight hour seminar. The first four hours were uh four officers, each had an hour apiece. In fact, who knows? This may be subconsciously the inspiration for this show. But the first four hours of the seminar were four different officers that had an hour apiece to come up and talk to a room full of cops about how they were shot and came back and survived and killed the fucking bad guy. Good. And Hell then yeah. lunch break and the second four hours were a shrink was a shrink who came in and talked about how their mindset enabled them to do that and how to create that mindset in yourself. But one of those stories I mean, aside from uh, and and uh, if you look her up, her name is Stacy Lim. Uh, Stacy Lim got followed home by a dirt bag. A badass. She, I remember that story. LAPD. Yeah, LA. She got yep, followed home by that. a dirt bag. Took got center punched by a three fifty seven. Yep. And as she's dying in the driveway, she puts rounds into the kid that followed her home to kill her. And then she had she died twice Lived. in the operating table. Yeah. And like anyway, but I bet her. I bet her one time. She was. She yeah, she's, she's. Oh my god great she lives oh, i've yeah, met her lived. as well and he lived he is a fucking she is he, a her a mind man when the chief of lapd walked into her room after she was out of surgery and awake he said 
write your own ticket. You can go anywhere you want. She says, I want to go back to my division. No shit. You, Good for her. You know what's crazy about the warrior mindset? I'm going to put this up real quick. <clears throat> the warrior mindset. We have Stacey Lim. Gets shot. Fatal wounds. Fucking provides fire. Puts down assholes. And she subsequently lives because she has that warrior mindset. Yep. Then you have people who get shot, like, let's say, in the hand or the leg or whatever. Just leave you know me there. I can't about? make it. I'm not, I'm not talking about like a femoral injury. And I'm not trying to say right. like a like whatever. But it's a warrior mindset. And there is a, such a thing as called shock. And shock yes. can kill. And yes. you get hit and say like a non-fatal wound, like in the leg or the hand or the arm. And it's non-fatal. But... You think you're going to die. You put yourself into shock and shock is what kills you. Mm-hmm. And so it's that warrior mindset that keeps you going. Like, I'm not fucking dying. There's been dudes you shot in the neck, face, fucking arm for moral injury. Right. And not too long ago, there was Houston PD. I think it was Houston PD. And we saw it. And everyone judged this officer um, starts taking rounds on a pursuit on the car TCs. And that's traffic collision for other people. TA, traffic accident, whatever. Car crashes. <clears throat> starts the suspect starts putting rounds on the officer driver officer. Actually you see him take off running from the vehicle. Fucking boom. I'm fucking gone. Right. Everyone's like, Oh, fuck that guy. You know, he didn't stay in fight. Video comes out. He has a fucking serious wound in the arm. He has to apply a tourniquet. He gets a tourniquet put on. Someone helps him put a tourniquet on. And that's what saved his life. And that's that warrior mindset that like, fuck, I need to get this fixed now. I need to get out of the fucking, uh, you know, the, the area of operation, the AO, and I need to get to a safe place so I can apply a tourniquet so I don't fucking die. And so, so my partner my doesn't life. have to exactly. And so my partner doesn't have to try to save my life and then get killed. And, you know, it's, it's those types of things that it's that warrior mindset. And the crazy thing about ballistics is that we were just talking and Thomas talking about bullets do crazy fucking things oh, yeah. is that we actually had some on the show. BC white official Brandon White. He was on the show and he talked about his time in, in Arizona as a police officer and then um the Route 91. And we had him on the show and he had seen had been involved in numerous critical incidents and saw an actual incident that unfolded where an M16 had fired a round. An officer fired an M16 round, struck a suspect one time and like the shoulder, killed him. Boom, done. Wow. One shot. Okay. Lights out. Awesome. And so, and you, and you hear stories about people taking five, six, eight rounds and they live. And it's crazy. You, you hear stories about people taking a headshot and living. Yeah, and right. I actually know someone who took a headshot. Me too. Uh, they, they, they took, they killed, they didn't kill a guy. The guy uh, presents, presents what looks like a weapon, acts like it's a weapon, officers fire right in the face. Suspect fucking lives. Now is missing half his head. Crazy as shit looks crazy. Zombie. Dude lived. Dude lived. And that's just the crazy things about ballistics and the body. And it's 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 well, so absolutely that's, crazy. Yeah, that's what I was gonna mention before I started getting sidetracked on Stacy Lim is one of the guys that told this story. He told this story about a Walmart parking lot incident where a guy was shoplifting with his girlfriend from Walmart. They hooked the girlfriend up. The guy's already out in the parking lot waiting for her. He's a fucking skinhead. He piece of shit skinhead comes back. Guys taking the 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 girlfriend to the car. Guys, you know, he takes the guy to the car, hooks him up. The guy fucking stabs him in the hand, destroys his hand, shoots him. Like all hell breaks loose, right? The guy at one point, the suspect ends up inside the police car in the front seat, and the officer has his hand, his gun hand, destroyed by the altercation by the getting shot. 
And he has the police explorer helping him hold his gun in his left hand and supporting it for him so he can lay rounds at this guy as he's trying to get the AR out of the rack inside the police car. So his, his hand's destroyed. The freaking explorer's holding up his gun hand as a, his off hand, where his gun is now as his support hand because he can't use his support hand. And he starts laying around, puts the first round. The guy looks at him through the window, puts the first round as he's trying to get this AR out right in the center of his forehead. Boom. 40 caliber right in the center of his forehead. Guy goes down, right? Disappears. Pops back up two seconds later with the hole in the center of his forehead. Oh and starts God. going for the rifle round again and then turns around. So then he shoots another round. This round shoots him in the ass. But that round was a Texas headshot. And for those of you who don't know what a fucking Texas headshot is, it's when you put a round right through somebody's asshole as they're bending over and send it straight up into their heart. Right? That's the round that killed him. The one that got him in the ass. The one that got him in the forehead, bisected his cranium, went around the skull, and exited out the back without ever penetrating into the brain yeah. tissue. I've seen that. Bullets well. do weird shit anyway. so your guy how many how many how many guys how many rounds did you put in this guy uh, i put nine and nine. Scotty put put seven um i don't know how many other guys from the detective side put the one officer straight through the windshield uh, he missed i mean he i mean dead center right, right. Through, but the guy moved out of the way right like so, 30 rounds plus maybe probably yeah something like that wow. So, and, wow. and you have another story yeah yeah, this was my uh, ultimately my career-ending gunfight toward the end because all the other ones, um, for guys who all don't the know, other ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy to say it this way. In fact, I my technically my first was a dog back in two in '99, which is shooting shooting a person, two people. I don't care. Dogs, yeah. they don't know any better. No, dog, that's a, that. yeah. Dude, uh, I mean, I, I could never horrible. be an ATF agent. <laughs> Oh, oh my god yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding I'm just, oh, i know some great up. atf agents it's just a funny joke oh, we yeah. we do. Do. yes we do we do so what i didn't i mean i was an instructor i got my first instructorship in 05 for firearms uh rifle in 2012 and started carrying the rifle in 2010 um but i didn't know the difference as stupid as it sounds between a gunfight and a shooting yeah yeah. And you would think, oh, it's, it should be pretty obvious. And you think, okay, like in my no. next story, you put X amount of rounds into, into a guy, and you think it's going to be over with, and then the guy should, starts shooting back at you. You're like, oh, shit, now this is a gunfight. Holy fuck, who knew? Yeah. Shooting right. somebody is a shooting. Taking rounds back at you in response to your rounds is a gunfight. Yeah, and where do you think I learned that shit? On the street during the mm-hmm. gunfight. I'm like, oh, and I, right. you know, I never use the word that I should have, but... Uh, that was one thing that I, I failed to recognize until it was too late. Just miraculously, somehow the guy missed. I don't know how he missed me, but uh, I'll get into meat potatoes on that thing when we get there. So Yeah. Well, go ahead. But uh, So this thing started uh, May 18, 2016. Um, south part of the valley, and it's just a guard variety radio call. Nothing big. It's a uh, suicidal subject. Basically kicked in dad's door and stole dad's gun. Okay. And so he gets on the on the phone and he says basically he wants to shoot out cops, which you guys have probably heard this a hundred times. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're never yes. going back, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, and I, I talked about never take me alive. Oh yeah, and I mean, how often does that really happen? Where they right. they a lot. they meet a formidable enemy and they give you the cower. Um, yeah. What I talk about are the guys that just don't say anything and they just give you that thousand yards there. Those are the guys that scare me. Those are the guys that scare me. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Quiet ones, yep. So, you know, I was I was not at all any shape or form complacent whatsoever. But I'm thinking, okay, I've been on the scene a thousand times, no big deal, you know. Um, the area that I worked is exceptionally violent. Um, side note to the whole thing, we had seven officer involved shootings within a seven week period. Um, two were officer uh, officers getting shot and injured. One was killed. Um, four out of seven were ambushes, Damn. and five of them were in the area that I worked. So, I mean, now can I, can five I... of the seven were all in your area. Correct. Yes. Can I pause for a second? Absolutely. Was one of those officers because there was an officer who was in a, involved in a fucking gunfight mm. and was shot in the neck? Was that Arizona where he was holding his neck and he was providing rounds downrange and redeployed to a better location and was putting rounds downrange? Was that in Arizona? There was one I saw that was actually here in San Diego uh, years ago. Was that San Diego? Um, okay. Yeah, there was. I, th- I, th- I swear I thought that was anyway. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. and it happens. I mean, it just happened a couple of three weeks ago here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it happens saw, a lot. Just saw the video. The guy just walks up to the door. The guy's freaking opens fire on him. You know. With, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We posted that. He just, hey, come on in. Yeah, come on. Blam, blam, blam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I just saw that video today. In fact, yeah. I was talking to a buddy. Might still works there, and it's it's a disaster. If course, you don't know but, what we're talking about, go on our Instagram feed war underscore stories underscore official or war stories official to search it you can see the video you'll see what an ambush looks like oh yeah, yeah it's probably like 40 videos down you'll you'll see it yeah i mean we do post a lot of those videos because you guys like them yeah oh yeah <laughs> anyway go ahead so um the i was on a specialty squad proactive uh, neighborhood enforcement team so it was 2 30 in the afternoon i was thinking i'm just gonna ride up my day hit the station and the call comes out and what they did was they called for a scout. And for guys that don't know, I was closed that day. So they wanted somebody playing clothes to go down there and check out the house. Well, fuck yeah, it's 2.30. I still got time to get into something. So, <laughs> right. you know, this is my Boy, mentality here. Eight, 18 years on and still want to get, still hungry to get into it, you know. And yeah, careful what you wish for. So I shot down there. It took me about eh, close to 15 minutes to get down to the area. And unfortunately, in the, in the meantime, there was very little information coming out on the radio. They didn't really have much. So the dispatcher was heads up. She sent the dad over to the Safeway down the street. So all the troops rallied over to the Safeway, except for me, of course. <laughs> so I show up on the scene, and it's now Wednesday at about eh, pushing 245-ish, give or take. And, and you're playing close. I'm playing close, yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm driving, actually, that's important. driving a hot rod, you know, undercover Jeep, which was like, Shit, okay, that's cool. Jeep Wrangler, you know, which is right. pretty neat. So, I mean, very, very unsuspecting. Um, so, nobody's ever going to think that's possible, So, so I drive down to the house, and there's a van in the driveway. What I didn't know was that the front door had been kicked in, but you couldn't see it because there was a, a palm tree right in the front of the door. So, I couldn't tell what it was. So, I didn't put that information. So I, just couldn't, I didn't have it. So, I go by. I said, I, you know, I got a van in the driveway. No movement. Flipped. Came back around parked on the opposite side of the street and just watched. In the meantime, I'm gearing up, getting all my shit on, and I'm putting out information, which is, again, just nothing. I said, I've got no foot traffic. I've got no vehicle traffic. I've got no movement whatsoever. And I've been doing this shit. I've been doing that job for that particular job on the net for 14 years. I knew my and There was no – I knew what I was doing. Uh, but even for the trained eye – there was nothing to see. I mean, literally nothing to see. And it was extremely frustrating as it turned out. So looking back on it a couple of years later, I thought, man, it sure was. It was Wednesday. 
at three o'clock almost in the afternoon, there was nothing going on. There was no foot traffic, you know, time of day with school pe- kids running around and stuff, nothing. And this is before we locked it down. So, uh, so get on the radio for the final time. Said, Hey, I got, I got nothing going on. So the troops start to rally. So two cars passed me, two patrol cars passed me. And then I moved up to the, what ended up being my ultimate stopping point, if you will. Um, two other cars parked and blocked the street to the north. Those other two cars that passed me blocked the street to the south. Two cars parked on the opposite side of the street where the house is. And the idea was that we were going to just do a surround and call out. Okay, makes sense. Sure. We had already, right. we had already especially for, with no movement. No, you know. exactly right, right, right. Yeah. Now we had Locked already called the for, area and then get everybody out. We had two hundred seventy degree coverage around the front of the house. Plus, we yeah. had guys to the back. We had a whole bunch of guys from my from my unit, not my squad, but my unit. Um, we had a bunch of FTOs out there. We had a shit ton of experience. Yeah, a, a perimeter and call them out is not fun, but it's safe and it's good. It was safe, right, you know, exactly. and we had a good, it was a good plan in place. We had our SWAT team yeah. on standby. They're out there working out, doing yeah. whatever they're doing. Had a K nine in route, and we had a helicopter in route. So we had all the all the resources that were you notified. Were doing problems. it by the numbers, absolutely yep. across across the this board. We had everything. by the book. And so, of course, you know Murphy decides he's going to come and kick us in the ass right at the wrong time. So, <laughs> shocker there. But um, so. It's one of those things that, you know, it gets, we get questioned about it, but unfortunately, since we lost an officer, nobody wants to give, you know, give us too much grief about it, which, you know, I, I want that feedback because I want to make sure we don't do this shit wrong in the future. Right. But I, I've picked this thing apart so many times that I can't that we could have done any we did. Because um, the first thing is, well, we know the guy wants to shoot out with the cops. Um, or we can let this guy go mobile. Time's not on our side for this particular situation. Right. So introduce Dave Glasser. He's with his partner, Ryan Lee. They pull up, and Dave decides he's going to end the conga line the way it worked out. Black he and white in up. uniform? He's in, in a Mark Harden. He's wearing okay. the exact same thing I am. Uh, plain clothes, but outer carrier. Oh, okay. Um, so jeans and a T-shirt and an outer carrier, but in a Mark car. So he decides he's going to pull up behind the van. And a lot of guys are giving grief for that. They're like, why are we in the van? You don't know where we're at and blah, blah, blah. I said, well... Again, do we want a gunfight or are we going to try to block this guy's escape? Right. And it was one of those last second decisions. It wasn't planned. Uh, he just he just, just made decision on his own, which I thought was pretty sound tactic considering we don't have all the toys attack guys do. We're on our own pretty much. Right, right. So as they're pulling up, just take a guess where you think the guy is. He's in the van. Right. He's in the fucking van, right? And yeah. I was out there by myself watching for 13 minutes watching that house, watching that van and never saw him, which was he's right in the front the whole right, time. He, he was laying back like this, you know, yeah, kind exactly. of, uh, just laying in wait for us. And he knew, he knew exactly what his plan was going to be. And it was one of those things where he just got, he got the luckiest shot you could ever possibly get in a million years. So as soon as they roll up, uh, they recognize, Oh shit. Cause they can see him in the rearview mirror now on the side view. They're like, Oh shit. We think he's in the van. They didn't even have a chance to put out on the radio. So as Dave's getting out of the car, um, dude opens the door, reaches back, and fires three rounds. First round goes through through Dave's door, (laughs) him below the knee. Second round goes into a patrol car parked across the street. Third round catches Dave's A-pillar right on the corner. And then they think split in two and caught Dave right in the head. And he was lights out. He was dead before he hit the ground. Um, So all the guys that had that cover on the – on the north and west side, if you will, open fire. So meantime, I'm getting out of my car, walk around to the back, got 15 out, got my car, I'm all good to go, battle. 
I'm covering on the south side of the house. That's my sector of fire. That's where I need to be watching for. I got all these other guys on the other side. They're good to go. Right. And so, again, Murphy decides he's going to wait till I'm out in the middle of the fucking road before the, the gunfight starts or the gun at that point. So I do. I can't figure out where the guy's at in that point two of a second or whatever it is. So I come up on target and decide I'm going to put some rounds through the middle of his window in the van because I can clearly see he's not over by the house. He's not standing outside. The most likely place he's going to be is inside that van. Right. So. And that's where the rounds came from. You might as well put rounds back. Well, I didn't know that. I couldn't see where from my van. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So from your vantage point, you couldn't even see what had just happened. No, not at all. Uh, And I'm, I'm just so thankful. I didn't actually see Dave go down because that's, that's uh, a whole nother fight. So, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's textbook cover fire. You put rounds where the last rounds were known coming from. Right. Right. Light that area up so that you can move to a better vantage point. Right. Well, that was a that was a great plan to begin with, but then what do you think the first mistake I made? Now I've been an instructor for how many years now? Since 2012, 2016 now. So all these years, all this time on the range, all this tactics I've been teaching and shit. Uh, well, keeping in mind, you know, I'm still used to getting into a shooting, not a gunfight. So I put made somewhere between seven and ten rounds of rifle into his middle window of his car. It's a minivan, and mm-hmm. the very first thing I do. Which we tell guys, I know you guys know this. When you tell you guys on the rifle range, don't count your rounds. Don't look for your holes. First mm-hmm. thing I fucking do is I come off target and I, right. I drop the muzzle. And I mean, I know that. I fucking know to do that shit. And that's what, what do you think happens? Bam. The guy starts shooting back at me. I actually heard and felt the rounds go past my head so close. I was like, holy shit. Caught me off guard. I jumped from one end of the street to another on some kind of like a half ass man. Back up to the side Estimated somewhere around around for a second, for a total of two. And I'm going to have you back up and say all that again because you 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 just got real robotic and cut out. So so you're okay. telling me that that you you came down off the target, uh, like you knew you weren't supposed to. Well, it wasn't it wasn't such a huge. I mean, not not yeah, but you down, you you just but you didn't go definitely. to little ready, but you just dropped for a half correct. a second and just took that breath to look, right. and that's when he came you count up. rounds. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so he came up and then what happened? Cause that all cut out. Oh, so he came up, fired those three rounds, I actually heard and felt the rounds, the rounds go past my head uh, by centimeters. I mean, it was like, like right there. Right. You feel three the air. Rounds. Which side note to that. So Dave took um, three rounds, caught two. I took three rounds, caught zero. Clearly the survivor's guilt was fucking astronomical. Oh, through the roof. Forever for that. So, Fuck. so I move off to the side. Now I'm squared up and for guys that haven't been involved in a critical incident or that have much more experience than I do, um, I'm doing that thing that you see so often where it's like bang, 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 coming up on target. Walking your rounds up, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I fed, <laughs> which actually worked out really good for me because uh, those first first three rounds went through the door. Uh, my fourth round got stopped by the mechanics in the door, and then that fifth round was when I started moving forward. I started walking forward. And a lot of people are like, why the hell would you start walking forward? And I realized and trying to stay as far away from the heroics as I can is that this guy's going to kill me. If I don't take the fight to him, I got to fucking put this guy down as quickly as I can. And if I just stand here, like I did last time, he's going to fucking shoot me and kill me. So I got to do something dynamic. And that. so he made you angry. Right. Uh, dude. Well, for you guys. <clears throat> um, so I got my red, uh, not magnified the patrol rifle optic. 
um, aim point, like an aim point or EOTech or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. So that honestly, that first volley, I didn't see anything in that front sight or the dot or anything. Right. That next round, that dot was about that fucking big. And mm-hmm. I equate that purely to rage because right. it was one of those things. And I said, I'm like, Oh, you motherfucker. You just tried to shoot me. So came back up, uh, basically ultimately finished him off with that second volley. And then from there, so if you can imagine, I'm facing uh, north, northeast. Then I'm facing directly north. Then I go over to the patrol car because I can't, I'm not going to stand out there in the open still. So I get over to the patrol car and now I'm looking directly east. I can't quite see what I need to see. Um, and the thing that I teach all the time that I never do on the range, um, the one where I kind of made up for the lack of the last one was actually looking around checking my world. And I see an officer standing behind me who I now know took those same three rounds that I did and missed. And he's standing there in battle shock, just completely lights out. Right. Well, yeah, you got to move. Well, this guy's he's another another rifle operator, PO, uh, squared away, and he was just locked up. So I screamed at him. I said, hey, man, get back in the fucking fight. And we talked about it extensively later on. He's like, man, that's, that's exactly what I needed in the fight. I'm like, all right. So... He gets, he covers down the sector of fire. Um, I can't see what I need to see from the drive, from the passenger side door. So I move around to the other side. Um, I meet the sergeant at the time. Uh, we have a little exchange. He starts walking up toward the van. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, I've got the rifle. I'm, I'm much better to handle this, whatever this is. You're a supervisor. Go back and handle this, whatever it is over here. Mm-hmm. And so as he's walking up past Dave's car, I recognize that he's not stopping. And I'm like, Where, what's this guy doing? So I grabbed onto him and we literally got into a physical fight right in the driveway. And I had to like overpower him and pull him back out, launched him forward, gave him the worst impact. I felt bad about it at the time, but um, talking it to happens. him, he had no recollection of that whatsoever. I go, dude, oh, yeah. what, what the word, fuck dude. was that? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, you dude trying to walk up to the van? He goes, no, I didn't. Uh, but you did, man. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. there's, I'm not making this shit up. He goes, well, the only thing I could think of is I was going to go execute the guy, which, you know, I don't have a huge problem with, but clearly we're still not safe. We don't know what's, what's still going on and so forth. He was angry. He was extremely angry. He's still, still struggling with that whole thing too, you know, six <laughs> years later. Yep. So, um, so I gave my position and God bless Grossman, if you guys are Dave Grossman fans, um, oh, yeah. one, of, one of his biggest fans. So first time I ever saw Dave back in 03, I learned something that I, that I still do today to this day all the time was that tactical breathing. You know, took that first right. good combat breath, did the fastest magazine exchange I've ever done, um, did make another kind of a minor mistake. I didn't retain the mag. I threw it on the front seat of the car because I just thought, you know, this is – I've got two full mags. I don't have to worry about that extra round that extra bag, right. whatever else. So there's like two rounds left in it or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, I think I had like whatever, but the good thing I had, I had pre-planned and all that time I spent on the rifle range, I realized that I had my bag on my vest. And every time I tried to go do an exchange, I couldn't get to him because the flap was in the way. So mm-hmm. it was no shit. Just a couple of weeks before this thing happened, I saw a piece of Velcro on the top of the vest. And when I flipped it up and it, it stuck, so I was able to get that new mag out, and it was it was fucking beautiful. It was perfect, just the way it's supposed to be. You will um, fight like you train. Well, you Easy. know, and that's that's one of those things where I, you know, I I preached about it all the time, and then yeah. I did, and I couldn't, I never put that piece together until right before I like desperately needed it. So, yeah. um, 
got the mag in there, and now I still can't see the bad guy. I'm like, fuck, all right. So this is when one of the other officers comes up behind me and says, you know, and I'm calling for help on the radio. Um, and nobody knew that was me because now my voice is like three octaves higher than normal. And they all thought it was me because I was the first one out there. And then I did clear again. And when I finally did clear again, um, they couldn't, they didn't know it was me. So neither here nor there, but so I'm asking for help, which I didn't normally do. I'm just going to just take care of it, whatever it is, you know? Um, so I'm asking for help, not getting the help and I'm pissed off. And then I find out, well, now they've extricated Dave across the street. They're working on him. And so they sent me another officer for backup. And I said, you know, dude, what the fuck's going on? He goes, yeah, Dave was shot. I don't know what's going on. They're working on him. And then that's when my fear and anxiety started kicking in. I'm like, okay, this is one of those things. Reality is starting to set in. It is. Yeah. And now it's one of those things where now I've got to think now I've got to, you know, fuck. And now I can't give up. I want to just take off, run and go home the other way. But, you know, clearly I can't do that. So there's a difference between reacting and thinking. And oh yeah. Oh, reacting I, is easier. <laughs> well, that was like a hundred percent reacting is easier yeah, when you're my, trained to react, you react, you do it. And then yeah. you think about it, you know, eat your food and taste it later. It's you just do it. Yeah. My first three, that's exactly what it was. That's why I didn't yeah. know the difference between a gunfight and, and a shooting. Cause you know, yeah. so now I've got to think and it's like, Oh shit. All right. Right. Cause you thought it was done and you're like, Oh fuck. Let me see how many rounds I shot. Exactly. You're right. And, and next you, thing you know, you're like, Oh shit. No, that's not over. And if I could show you guys a picture of my rifle, I would. I mean, you carry a rifle like that. You're like, hell yeah, dude, I'm lights out. There's no fucking way. Am I going to defeat this thing? Yeah. And then you very mm-hmm. quickly figure out how disciplined you are when it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so very, very, very fortunately, I was forward thinking still at this point in time. And so I had the officer said, hey, man, do me a favor because I still didn't have good cover. I couldn't see what I needed to see. I said, grab a Tahoe and put it in the driveway to the north. So he does. comes back about two minutes later. And so I said, hey, man, just cover me while we move around the other side. So I stayed on target, moved around to the other side. So now, you know, I went from north, northeast to north to east, east. Now the other side, now I'm directly facing south. And I'm about, I estimated about 12 yards away. And now I can see the guy's clear as day. He's sitting in the driver's side of the van. He's basically and throw my arms up on the hood of the Tahoe. And luckily the shot never came, but now I'm sitting there and I mean, I'm, I'm fucking lights out. My world's just going like this, just shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And right. safety catch off finger on the trigger. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I, I didn't say it out loud, but it was one of those things where dude, turn your head, lift finger, take a breath. And I'm going to turn around to your temple. And I get a little bit more deep on that when I talk about that presentations about why I didn't take those, that last shot. Um, the number one reason was because if I did take that shot, that's going to be out of vengeance. That's not for me. That's only for God. And I knew right. that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to answer to God for that one. And the second one, because I knew the guy was dead. Um, again, taking that final shot, I got to answer to my brass. There's no mm-hmm. way I could answer for that shot either. That's why I didn't take the shot. And believe me, that was a whole nother struggle too. I struggled with that for a long time. Like, man, I just so wanted to take that shot just to freaking prove my point mm-hmm. and down, feel better about it, but I never did. I, um, I can feel all of your pain on that because of decisions that had to be made in, in my first critical incident <clears throat> where it was, was my only real like shooting. It wasn't my only critical incident. But it was the only real like shots fired shooting. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those, like, I know I made the right decisions, and 
my partner is alive because of it. I'm alive because of it. We had each other's back. We did the right thing. The suspect Amen. is dead. But the things that I wanted to do, oh yes, I didn't get to do. Yeah. And it oh, yeah. creates this angst that I'll never be able to get rid of because you can't rewind time. And it's not that I screwed up. It's just that I did the right thing, not the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I and that understand. hurts. It hurts. It was, it was tough, man. No bullshit. It was a struggle to say the least. And um, that's I, that, for those of you who don't understand the difference between a good man and a bad man. I'm going to explain this really, really briefly to you. Good men and bad men are capable of the same fucking thing. The difference is that bad guys do it because they want to. Good guys don't do it until they have to. Right. I love that. I love I'll that. take a fucking life. I don't have a problem with that. You yeah. said, hey, you know what? My first shooting two years on, I said it was him or me. Fuck him. He lost. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with that mindset. I really don't. I, 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 I'm with you on the dog thing. Life is precious. I love it. It's amazing. I don't ever want to see anybody hurting. But if you take the wrong side of that equation and it's you or me, then it's fucking you. That's that's oh, yeah. just it's always yeah. you. It's always going to be you. And you fucked with the wrong person. And I'm, yeah. you know, oops. That's one of the reasons one of our slogans is fuck around and find out. Yeah, I, I don't you have a problem with it. Yeah. I'm that, glad that's you your please. fault, not mine. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't apologize. I saw you starting to apologize for that. I'm glad you didn't because I say that all the time where I'm like, I'm not I'm not sorry for what I did because guess what? You fucking put me in this position, man. No, like, I'm I, not. Like, it's oh, not. No that's your fault, not mine. Absolutely. I'm reacting to what you did. You can go fuck yourself all the way to hell. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, you know, it, it's that whole, the, I mean, the joke about like uh, God dispenses vengeance. I just arranged the meeting, right? Yeah. That's like, <laughs> the, the 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 point is like you shoot at me, I'm fucking shooting back, right? And I'm not going to. And stop I'm a better shot down. And I'm not stopping until you're fucking down. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. And but I'm not going to be taking pop shots while you're down to make sure you're done. Right? No, exactly. I'm going to put you down and stop. And that's that's, it. that's yeah. That's that's yeah. not for me. That's the professionals and, that's and good professional. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference between a good man and a bad man. A uh, bad man does heinous shit because he wants to. A good man does it when he has to. Well, so, I'll tell you that. Um, sorry to be out there, Chuck. Um, no, no worries. But I was talking about that with some of the guys early on where it was like, you know, that first that first volley, I thought, okay, maybe he just got lucky with, with shooting Dave. And then I very quickly realized that, man, he started taking shots at us as well. So it wasn't just that he got lucky. He was trying to kill as many of us as he could. He was trying to take as many of you out as he could. You know, so that's why, again, I don't feel bad at all for putting this guy down. Um, Again, you made a choice. You knew what you were doing. So totally made a choice. And that was his decision. And he, he, he made his bed. Now he's laying in it. And it just happens to be a pine box. You, you, at that point you realized, okay, he's down. Now we're going to move in and and tactically move in get our head straight and uh, do it as safe as possible to take him into custody. Well, here's what happened. Basically. Um, oddly enough, um, fast forward a little bit. They never took him out of the car. They left him in there. Cause I knew he was, he was freaking oh, DRT. The guy was done for, yeah. but I sat up on that Tahoe and I went back and I listened to all the audio tapes and everything else. And there was no body camera whole thing, which I'm kind of thankful for. Um, and trying to put it all back together. is another whole story is in, in itself but um so i was up on that tahoe for about 12 minutes as it turns out 
And my buddy, SWAT guy, super cool dude. We talked about it for hours and hours, weeks and weeks later. Um, he said something I'll never forget because he could see I was, I mean, I was out. I mean, I was freaking lights out. And he's calling my name. He's coming in from my right-hand side. He's like, Chris, Chris. And I'm, I'm fucking, I'm so focused that I can't focus, you know. And he recognizes that right away. Um, comes up and knocks me off my feet. I don't know how I didn't have an unintentional discharge. I swear to God, I don't know how I didn't just fucking crack off around, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. I didn't. Um, <laughs> right. Miraculously, um, so he knocks me off my feet, and I recognize him like, "Hey, Billy, Swag, now I'm safe." And he grabbed on me. He goes, "Hey, man, we got you. Now you're safe." And they bunkered right. me out of the scene, and I was like, oh, "Holy shit, man!" Um, so then those guys ended up doing a tactical um, ingress on him and. Figured out the guy was done. Of course, then they got to go clear the house because we put, as it turned out, six shooters, two rifles, including myself, of course, uh, 71 rounds into this guy. And you guys talking about shooting guys that just don't go down. I mean, yeah. holy shit. I mean, you, you're fucking, you're laying bullets into this guy's car. It's a barrage from three sides. And the guy's right. still not giving up. It's like, holy yeah. mother of God. He had made the decision to die and was going to do as much damage as he could until yeah. his lights went out. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And he did. You know, he goblin. got more than he wanted. So it's a fucking goblin. That's all yeah. it is. But so. luckily, uh, so a lot of those rounds went um through the back window, through the front window, through the garage, and into the house. And uh, fortunately there was nobody else inside the house. Ugh. Nobody else inside the van. And there was some discussion about that, that two sides of the coin. What if somebody else is inside the van? Oops. Okay, if there's if there was a victim, let's say, that was in there. I would have probably seen that because it would have been somebody probably struggling or what have you. Um, or if it was somebody that was on his side helping to, you know, co-create this scene, then you got what you deserve. There was nobody else inside the car. So it a difference, but that's, these are things that you think about after the fact. Yeah. What about this? What if what it's a death? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you do. I mean, after a critical incident, you, you fucking do forever, you know? And that's just one of those things where. Fuck, I know I did. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna tell kind of have to on some level too. Yeah, I'm gonna tell all of our listeners that one of the moments that sticks out in my head because it re it has replayed over and over and over was uh and, and no joke, this is his real name, Mark Hamill. <laughs> it was senior deputy Mark Hamill. He did not have a lightsaber. <laughs> senior senior deputy Mark Hamill. When all of the recruits, you know, he'd, he'd open it up to questions and, and shit like this. What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? And I, I, I tried not to do that because you seriously, like my, my dad, you say, well, if a fraud had, had wings, it wouldn't bump its ass when it hops. That was his question to ifs, right? Or his answer to ifs. But I remember senior deputy Mark Hamill, God bless him. He was getting what if to death by all of us out on the grinder with these questions. And he goes, what if grasshoppers had fucking machine guns? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You've got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and nice. to this day, when I start what ifing, when I start second guessing, when I start, what if this had happened? What if this had happened? I'll answer myself and go, but it didn't. But yeah, but what if, but it didn't. Yeah, but what if, but it didn't. By that third, but it didn't. If I what if it again, all I hear is senior deputy Hamill yelling, what if grasshoppers had fucking machine guns? It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> and that has helped me. That stupid little phrase became like a mantra that is able to break me out of that cycle of what ifing myself to death, what yeah, ifing myself right. into a fucking coma. 
because you can do it. I mean, the three of us can all attest to it. It happens really easily. You spiral. It's like a toilet bowl. Once somebody flushes, it's going to spiral till it goes down the drain unless you have something to stop it. Now on the other side of that, so the, I'm sorry again. I was going to say whatever. I'm so say every time you get involved in a critical illness, you're gonna fucking what if that motherfucker to death, oh, yeah. and it it just it's a part of the whole process, and uh, but you just have to if it ended up well, and you have to just yeah you have to live with it, but <clears throat> it happens. It's something you got to deal with. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, on the other side, to, not to get too into it, but uh, playing the what if game prior to, I teach guys how to do that all the time. It's like, hey, you know, you got a what if you get out of your car and you. Gun, or you what if when you walk into seven or whatever else, all that, yeah. yes. But yes. after the fact, that's different. That's completely different. Yeah, that's Absolutely. different. And I've said this um, on the podcast. I'll say it again. I've been in three thousand nine. I've been in five, four thousand gunfights. Three thousand. The first three thousand nine hundred ninety nine of them were in my head. Yep. Amen. Amen. Right. That's huge. So, yeah. So. Well, well, Chris. I, I mean, shit. I can't. I know they say statistically that once you get in your first officer-involved shooting, it, you're 60 to 70% more likely to get into a second or a third. Like, like once no. that, it's, 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 a, it's a weird statistical, but I, I personally have theories about it. Um, but yes, yeah. statistically speaking, once you've been in an officer-involved shooting, you're, you're, you're likely 65 to 70% more likely to be involved in more than one once that first one happens. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it sounds like you've had your fair share. <laughs> so yeah. I can, I can understand why after 20 years, you're like, no, I'm good. I'll just, uh, I'll just move away from this area and never look back and uh, find some peace and quiet. I'll find a nice corner of the world where I don't have to worry about this shit ever again. Well, I'll tell you that uh, the deciding factor for me to call it quits was, Without getting too deep into the story, responding to an armed robbery slash kidnapping call, uh, very similar to what we went to in my last critical incident, of course. And long story short, we come around the corner, we're tracking this guy, and I come around the corner to see a guy pointing his gun into a car with two people sitting inside. And a whole other side story, uh, I had lost my rifle because I missed a qual because I got put on was a whole other long thing. Um, so now I just got my forty five which is not my go-to because the rifle is my go-to for most of my career. And so now uh, fast forward, I got the 45. The guy's probably 12, 15 yards away, give or take. And when he sees me, it's like this, Hey, you know, Phoenix PD dropped a gun. And he's like, and then he lowers the gun. Looks like, at you uh, and doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Dude, right. I no shit. Mm-hmm. Putting my gun back in the holster with the, the slack completely pulled out. That's when I knew I'm, like, I'm, I'm fucking done. There's, I can't, I can't do this shit again. I'm never going to survive it, you know? And I mean, right. I was an instructor for fucking ever, you know? And this is what I do. Finger slacked out and didn't even have to have mindset to freaking get it back on the frame all mm. the way to the holster before I realized it. I'm like, holy mother of God, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm a, I'm a, now I'm, I consider myself a danger to a liability, my community. I thought, yeah. no, I, I just can't do this anymore. So. Right. But, for, but you know what? That's that's important that you realized you. it. And good for you to say, I'm done. I've 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 put in my time. I, I've I've done it. I've been there, done that, got the fucking t shirt. And uh I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go stare at some daisies for a while and just watch there the grass grow because fuck it, at this point I've earned it. Or well, uh, as you know as you know, Chris, we uh we let all of our guests dedicate their episode to whomever they like. And Chuck and I would would like to piggyback on so 
Um, exactly. We'd like you to go first, if, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, I'd love to dedicate to my buddy, David Glasser, serial number 8144, uh, gave up his life May 18th, 2016. Uh, good man. Good man. So. Yeah. Last easy. And, uh, Glasser, we got it from here. We would but, like to, uh, as we said, Chuck and I want to piggyback on that. Yeah. We want to piggyback off that. As you know, the Ukraine is defending an invasion from Russia and those badasses on snake Island who told yeah, for those of you who don't know, of I'll, 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 get, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a, of a backstory. Snake Island is a tiny little island that had 13 Ukrainian soldiers on it, right? Yeah. 13. They basically, basically said, fuck you. Yeah, the, the, the Russian Navy pulled up and said over the loudspeaker, surrender. And the Ukrainian response, and I wish my grandmother had taught me to speak Russian because I would love to be able to say this in the native tongue. But it was the Ukrainian equivalent of go fuck yourself. Yeah. There was also another. The Russian Navy proceeded to shell the island, killing all 13 of them. I believe one of them was able to post on social media right before the shelling and right before they were all killed. There was one who decided to uh, detonate the bridge. That was an, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He okay. fucking blew himself up so that they could, could not have access. Yep. Nice. Good for him. And, and we're going to, we, for those of you who, who missed the live show, go back, listen to the replay. We're going to talk about some of the badass shit. A lot and, of it. My, and these are, you know, I, I have a special place in my heart because some of the, some of the people that have listened to the show or locker room long enough know that, that I've got family that fled the, the, the Soviet revolution and we're, born and from ukraine and from russia and so this is very personal to me in a lot of ways um yeah but uh god damn it you know those men are those men will go down in history and as far as i'm concerned the fucking number 13 and the ukrainian phrase go fuck yourself should be on every special operations unit patch much the way the Greek special forces have, we fight in the shade as a tribute to the 300 that bought, that fought the battle at Thermopylae. Well, Ukraine, you need to fucking, the story is now the 13 and those 13 told the Russians to go fuck themselves and gave up their lives for it. Wow, so, yeah. We'd like to dedicate this episode to your buddy. And we'd like to dedicate this episode to those 13 Ukrainian soldiers. Chuck. God damn, that was a that was a big whew, that was that was a deep a lot. deep deep one. That was a lot. I mean, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's very heavy, and you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're here to talk about it, and I'm so glad that that uh, you can give your wisdom to other other people. Um, just know and that come back anytime. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you have way more stories. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, if I can, uh, I actually wrote a book on the whole thing too. So yeah, no, uh, please tell us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, call it uh, when that day comes. Training for the fight. Uh, if you look really close, you can see it was actually endorsed by Davidson, which is like nice, the biggest Amazing. biggest event of my life. Short of meeting my girlfriend, which she did all the editing. God bless her. So amazing. Um, Where can they get that? Yeah, it's actually uh, it's on Amazon. Um, okay, try to make sure you find because I've got two versions. This is the actual the second version, um, the updated version, if you will. So it's when that day comes, uh, second edition. Training for the fight. Yep. Training for the fight. Um, so it's on Amazon. Uh, I'll be more than happy to mail you guys a copy of it. If you guys want yeah, to please do. Yeah. Um, yeah, please it's on, do. It's on Audible as well. So, um, Oh, amazing. And it's, uh, 
from what I'm being told is from, now that you guys have talked for a little while, so a lot of guys that know me say that it's almost like uh, I'm to you, which for me yeah. is the biggest compliment ever. I was like, okay, shit, yeah. I'm also yeah. being told that it's almost being like on a on a written ride along, which is <laughs> freaking like holy shit, man. Um, but I I break down the stories uh, in much greater detail, and it's it's. There are some hard parts to read, of course, because, you know, you're yes. dealing with the officers being killed and stuff like that, of course. But um, and it, there is a lot of lighthearted stuff in there, a lot of humor. Uh, and it's just it's flat out, straight up, no bullshit, real cop life. I mean, I'm from fucking day it. one. Um, yeah, I'd love you guys to get your get your feedback on, especially with you guys' level of experience. Yeah. Um, I just I love that kind of shit because I want to know, again, just like with the gunfight, did I fuck this up half right or whatever? No difference between that in the book. I want to know, hey man, this is this is nineteen eighties technology, you know, fucking yeah. move on or whatever. Yeah. You laid is, yourself you know, bare, man. Let's let yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'd be more than happy. I'm gonna read it. Thanks, I got guys, time. for sure. Yeah, Chuck, that, uh, Chuck will make sure we'll make sure we'll get you some stuff and we'll make sure we get those books sent out to us and we'll, we'll exchange goodies. So I love it, well, man. I love it, guys. So and as remember always, you guys, yeah, remember you guys can see that live video. That, well, not live anymore, but you guys can see the replay of the live video. Yeah, and we're going to be going over everything that we've been asked thus far regarding um, Russia, China, um, our thoughts on the whole matter, um, and all of that. We're going to go into depth as much as we can in the short time that we're going to be uh, allotted. Um, <clears throat> and then, because there's so much, uh, we're just going to answer the questions so and give our thoughts. It's you know, it's not a long video. No, and then for those of you um, that uh, still want to grab uh, some shirts, some gear, some stuff like that, some movie hoodies. Go up there. They're still available. Uh, limited quantities. Um, support us. Support the podcast. And uh, we'll try to get it out, out to you guys as fast as possible. Get this um, beautiful yeah. 40 mic mic. Let's see if I can get the yeah. 40 mic so, mic fuck around and find out sticker. I love that. Yeah. Dude. I need to yeah. get one of those put in my motorcycle. So. Oh, no. We'll send it to you. It. Don't worry. We'll That's send you a awesome, patch. Man. We'll send you some stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Thanks, guys. For sure. Thanks. Yeah. Throw me down your, uh, your, your, your uh, contact info yeah. in the email and sure. I will call you. Yeah, for sure. We'll exchange totally addresses. So, yeah, for sure. Well, if you guys ever in San Diego, let me know. I got. We're, I, hey, I don't know when I'm coming back to California, but if I do, it's gonna be you know at, <laughs> to visit you, to visit some of the key people down there, and you're certainly <laughs> one of them. So, rock and roll. Thanks, guys. Well, Absolutely. Chuck. Uh, I, again, you guys can support us by following us on social media. Do you? Ha- you ha- Chuck has all that information. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, so uh, go to Instagram, Facebook. You can have the links in the bio. Um, you can hit us up on our on our website. Um, you can grab our patches. Uh, I think I might have one of those left. We uh, we have other patches, the FAFO. We have um, the embroidered um, War Stories Patriotic Patch. We have some shirts. We have the Wooby Hoodies left. And if you guys message on Instagram or, or Facebook, um, or even just go to booking, booking.warstories at gmail.com um, for all your booking needs. If you have a, think you have a story and you want to come on the show, shoot me a text or email there and we'll discuss it and we'll go over it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> let me know if you guys want a hat. I have some hats. Uh, we have some hats still available. They're not up on the website. So if you you message me, uh, there's just a, so much of a limited quantity that if yeah, you the hats were up, limited edition, just, we never put them up. It's yeah. just so we pre-ordered them. They were by interest only, but we did still end up with a couple extras. And we do. And if you if you you want some, you know, hit me up there. Go to booking.warstories, Instagram, Facebook, message us there. And uh, 
like if you have a story and you really want to, you know, try to come on the show, um, we do have a few people booked out for about a month, but sometimes spots open very quickly. Uh, sure. Sometimes people have to reschedule yeah. and yeah. Chris is, is a byproduct of that. Great, perfect example. And, yeah. Yeah. He was going to come on in about a month and you know what? Um, we had to reschedule a couple things and then we have people from down under uh, and it's a little bit harder to, to schedule. And you know what I mean? So trying to get people on very quickly um, sometimes, you know, when they reschedule, you can bring people on that. Yeah. Just stay in touch right because you Just never know what's going to happen. It's message. fluid. Never know. So, anyway. Great, right. Chuck. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. Cool. You have an open invite to come back anytime and chat. Uh, and thanks, uh, if guys. you're ever in North Idaho, we'll, we'll go grab a drink. And if I'm ever in San Diego, we're going to go to the gas lamp district and do a pub crawl. I'm sure. I work I a block from there, man, all day. So we're Perfect. here. So. <laughs> Well, until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.